It's a free association. Uh, it's a show that I make up as I go along, and I am literally making it up as I go along this week because I don't have a topic planned at all. Apart from I might talk about Reiki via uh, Tesla waves because that's what we were talking about in the chat room about 10 minutes ago, but that's about as far as the pre-planning goes this week. Uh, there's a podcast I could play, but it's 55, well, it's an hour and five minutes, and I've only got an hour. So <laughs> it's going to be difficult to fit it in. So I think I'm probably just going to ramble today. It's one of those days where you can just sit around and ramble, and it doesn't really matter because the sun's out. And it's probably 20, well, it's not going to be 20 degrees outside, but it's probably about 15 by the looks of it, which is pretty good good for Newcastle in, in the beginning of April. So here we go. So I've just discovered in my in my naivety that Tesla waves are just G. Here's me thinking that there might be something more than just G. But uh, I, I say just, it's everything you need, basically. Uh, universal life force, uh, carried on the breath, moved and focused with the mind uh, integrates with the rest of your body via your breath that's basically what you need that's what you need to know uh took me 20 years to work all that out but uh there's something going on in your body use your breath and your mind and create a better thing very simple uh no real, no real requirement for a a twenty thousand dollar bed. I wouldn't have thought, although it might help. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other because I've got no experience of a med bed, but uh, I've got a lot of experience of working with chi. And uh, and I know what works from that perspective. So hey, there you go. So a combination, mind, body, breath, and chi is pretty much how the world is. So it works, certainly works with your body. Will work in terms of manifestation, in terms of uh, producing a, a better life. You can do that with, you can do that with your, mostly with visualization. You've got to feel it though. You've got to feel it emotionally. You've got, you've got to have a body sense of it before it'll work. And uh, a lot of people are disconnected from their bodies. A lot of people are wandering around just in their minds, just in their heads. Mind isn't head, but I'm using those interchangeably just for the sake of uh, a word to use, really. Um, so if you, if you are disconnected, then... The, the way to connect up again is to focus on the breath. At least that's the way that works for, for, for a lot of people. There might be other ways, as I say. I'm, I'm only, an, I'm only an, an expert by experience in the things that I've done and the things that I'm doing. Uh, I'm not claiming to be an expert in anything else. I'm not, I'm not making any real claims at all. All I'm doing is just sharing what, I, what works for me. And uh, and that's enough. That's enough, really. 
So where do we go from here? I don't want to do the podcast because it's too long, but I'll, I'll post it in the chat because it is something that that I did think about playing and it is useful. But it's very, it's a very important conversation. So I'll put that in the chat. It was a conversation uh, with Dr. Mike Yeed, Dr. Mike Yeadon, who's worked in pharmaceutical companies for years. So he knows how they work. It was James Dellingpole's podcast. It's called the Delling Pod. So I'll put that in chat for you. but it's worth listening to because there's a lot of very meaty stuff in there and it, it because it's coming from somebody who's worked in the pharmaceutical industry makes it have more gravitas for me I mean I can say these things and, and nobody will take a blind bit of notice of me but if it's coming from somebody who's who's got a PhD and has worked on pharmaceutical products and developing pharmaceutical interventions in lung disease or whatever it makes a difference so there you go that's the that's the link dellingpole.podbean.com if you're listening on on the archive and uh, the interview is i'll give you the date of it because then it'll be easier to find it was dated uh actually actually the 2nd of April, so it's only yesterday or the day before. I don't even know what day it is really, but uh, it's very recent anyway, very recent and worth listening to. So I did, when we were talking about Tesla waves earlier on, I did make an attempt to to register Tesla wave Reiki. Uh, I didn't do it in the end, but... Uh, it's there and uh, I might do that at the end of the month when I've got my next check so when I've got my next money I'll, I'll spend spend nine pounds of it just registering Tesla wave Reiki for for fun because you never know it might be something that somebody wants at some point So let's let's do a little bit of basic functional history, I suppose. If we're talking, if I'm talking about Reiki, then it originates in the early part of the 20th century in Japan uh, from a, an experience on a mountain. Uh, Doctor Mikio Yusui, meditating on a mountain, uh, had a a flash of inspiration, some kind of, uh, I don't know how you'd exactly describe it, a, a flash of inspiration, a lightning bolt, um, whatever. He got he got, got inspired to develop a hands-on healing system, and then it becomes a, a non-hands-on healing system. Eventually, the first level is hands-on, Second level is is distance over di healing over distance. So it's uh, it's non physical. It's uh, it, it's in the mind and emotions. It's it's a, a universal uh, connectedness approach. 
interconnectedness, I think is the way to, way to describe it. So the idea is that if I, if I have a positive thought about you here, then you, you'll, pick, you'll pick that up subconsciously and it will improve whatever's going on in your life. If my intention is to, is to improve your life, if it's a positive thought, and that thought that thought doesn't need to carry anywhere because we're all we're all the same. We're all in one one consciousness. So my consciousness affects your consciousness, your consciousness affects the consciousness of everybody you know and the people you don't know sometimes. So it's it's interesting that you can you can do that and it's also what that means is you've got to be careful what you think because uh, bad, bad thoughts can have an impact as well as good. If prayer works, which I think it does, uh, I know Reiki works and Reiki's a version of prayer. If, if the principle of it works, if the mechanism works for Reiki, it works for prayer. So I've got no issues with that. Um, but it also works the other way around as well. If you're sending bad vibes to somebody, then you're cursing them, whether you realize it or not. So that, that momentary flash of anger and wishing somebody uh, ill, wishing somebody uh, is restricted or is, is hurt in some way, you, you're cursing, cursing somebody with your thoughts. Uh, it's not rocket science. If it works one way, it's got to work the other way. So being aware of your thoughts, being aware of how your thoughts are flowing in a particular direction, you might be able to stop yourself from getting to the point where it becomes a curse. If, you, if you're aware of it enough, if you're aware of your thoughts enough, if you've sat down and practiced a little bit, maybe, just just sat quietly and observed the, the directionality of your thoughts. Are they positive for somebody else? Are they positive for you? Because if, thought, if thoughts can affect other people, they can certainly affect you as you're having them. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wise thing to be aware of your thoughts. It's a wise thing in any culture in any situation. It's a universal thing, it's a universal wisdom, it is awareness of your thoughts. And you are ultimately you are the awareness. You're the awareness of whatever's inside of the awareness. So it's uh it's an interesting process, but Reiki started me off well uh Buddhism started me off, the Friends of the Western Buddhist Order, and uh, a little bit of Qigong, and then Reiki. Uh, so I've done a little bit of everything pretty much along the way since then. But those are my, my core things. And it was the right place to start for me, I think. The, uh, the Buddhism definitely struck a chord with me. And... Took me in, took me in a direction where I could accept a lot more than I would have accepted otherwise. So I think that was the grounding. That was the the basic principle. The basic principle of the 
Buddhist meditation that I was taught was is mindfulness of breathing. It's focusing on on the breath. And that's the foundation point. That's the that's the place where you're gonna know how for how connected you are to your thoughts, how attached you are to your thoughts, how easy or difficult it is to to let go of your thoughts. Is focus on the breath and then observe what comes into awareness. It could be a lot of rambling, it could be a lot of chatter. It could be a lot of things that are aggressive towards other people or aggressive towards yourself or destructive towards yourself. And uh, focusing on your breath and just allowing your thoughts to come in is a way of a way of discovering those things that you that might be just below the surface. I've certainly had experiences where I've been I've been stood at uh, an underground station waiting for a train, and I get this urge to throw myself in front of the train. Not now, but I used to. Never done it. I never would do it. But the thought was there. And that, that interested me. For years, that interested me, that that thought was there. I get the same thing if I'm crossing a high bridge. I've got this urge to throw myself off the bridge. And it's just a like a, a fleeting, split-second thing. But it's there. So there's a death wish there somewhere. And I wouldn't have been aware of it if I hadn't been observing my thoughts for, for years. Because it's under the surface, it's just under the surface of conscious thought. And without sitting quietly and observing, you don't, you don't get to see that particular bit. You don't get to see that particular thought. Once you know it's there, you can do something about it. But uh, if you don't know it's there, it's going to, be, it's going to affect you somewhere down the line. If, you, if you're attached to it, if your habit is to be attached to your thoughts, and that thought is there, and you're crossing a bridge and you're in a, a depression about something, that thought will come up. And there's, there's a lot of people end up on the wrong side of a bridge in Newcastle on the Tyne Bridge. They close the road maybe two or three times a month when there's a jumper on there. It's not an unusual thing for, for people to be, to be stood on the outside of the rail. And uh, looking at a 30, 30 or 40 foot drop, and ready to jump off. It happens to a lot of people that they I know people who've, who've been on the wrong end, wrong side of that of that rail. I know people who've jumped off and survived as well. And it's a it's not a good thing. Suicide's not a good thing. So you have to be aware of these things. It's not it's not just everybody else that has potential suicidal thoughts. They might be sitting underneath it, all of the thoughts that you're having or all of the thoughts that I'm having. You have to be aware of these things. If you don't catch them, if you don't know they're there, they'll catch you unawares sometimes. I've done, I've done Reiki sessions for, for young lads in, in an indie bar just around the corner from me. Where he'd been, he'd been on the bridge. He'd had a, 
a car crash that had left him with a serious back injury. He's in severe pain. The doctors had told him he, that they couldn't fix his pain. I, I stood, stood with me pint talking to him. It's, it's midnight. There's a DJ in the corner. I noticed this guy because he was what just wasn't involved in the in the dancing that was going on. He was sat by himself, so I went over and had a chat. <clears throat> he told me the story. I ended up doing some some a little bit of acupressure and some Reiki, and I cleared his pain for him. And I also gave him the words to give to talk to the doctors. Told him that he that he must ask for acupuncture. You can get acupuncture on the National Health Service if you ask for it in in the UK, but you have to ask for it. They won't they won't offer it to you unless you ask. But but he went he went off and I told him to scream at the doctor. In actual fact, what I told him to say was, if a stranger in a bar can sort my pain out in five or ten minutes. Why can't you? That's the question to ask the doctor. If you want something done about your pain, if I can relieve his if I can relieve his pain in ten minutes at midnight in a, in an indie bar with a DJ and a dance floor behind me, then why can't a doctor? And it's a good question. It's a good question if you ask it direct to the doctor and you won't take no for an answer. It's the kind of question that will get you acupuncture and get you physiotherapy that will sort your, your back pain out. And I saw, I saw him about a month later with his friend and he came over and thanked me. So it must have done something. But that's all in the space of 10 or 15 minutes. And I was drinking beer. I was drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a drunk person can sort somebody's pain out at midnight in a club and a doctor can't how does that work it's complete madness it's complete ridiculous stupidity because they're looking in the wrong place they're looking in the wrong place to for the pain for the source of the pain the source of the pain in that particular case he had a, a physical back injury but some of the pain was coming from his mind and I can calm his mind down, and it take take it will take acu acupuncture to make that last. But I can give him a starting point, and that's 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 the best I can do in that situation. So that's what I do. It's just the, it's the way I work. It's the way I do things. And the world's the world's a strange place. If the doctor's looking in the wrong place for the source of pain. And they're not going to find the source of pain and they're not going to be able to sort it out. But they'll be able to prescribe you a, a tablet for your symptoms for the rest of your life. Which isn't sorting the problem out, it's just relieving symptoms. It's not good really, not good at all. There's a, there's a big problem there. There's a big, big problem there. So, um, 
where do I go next with this? I go, where, where do I go? I don't know. Give me, give me a couple of seconds to work out where I'm going with this. I've already just destroyed the medical industry in 25 minutes. So what else can we do with this? It's an underlying philosophical problem. It's a philosophical problem. So everybody's looking for a physical cause, and sometimes the cause isn't physical. In fact, in my world, almost all the time the cause isn't physical. If you get hit by a car or you, you have an accident, then the cause is physical. But the cause of the accident in the first place was maybe not looking where you were going, not paying attention. Not being aware enough of your situation, not being aware enough of your environment. So it's an awareness problem. So a psychological problem, it's a, that, that's a spiritual level, that's a philosophical level problem. But it manifests as a psychological problem. And then it manifests as a physical problem if it isn't sorted out. So, so the model I use, I'll give you the model. The model I use is, is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels in a hierarchy of sorts. So there's a, there's a feedback loop with all of these things, but the philosophical, the spiritual level will have an impact on the mental level, which has an impact on the emotional level, which has an impact on the physical level. That's, and it, it, it works to some extent the other way around as well. But mostly, if you want to solve the problem, go to the level that's above, which in the case of most things is the emotional and the mental, and for those who are that way inclined, the spiritual level. So the world focuses on physical, when actually that's only a quarter of the quarter of what's going on. So that, that four-body model has worked worked for me for 22 years so there are there are other ways to to categorize things there are other ways to to lay things out but there's there's one system there that i like that's got a 12 body model which is interesting which focuses specifically it's a it's a, a metaphor that uses the immune system as as the analogy as the analogy for everything so that, that particular system I was using about five or six years ago. And it's, it is a systematic thing where you, you check each, each body. In this case, there were 12 bodies in that particular system. You check each body for the thing that you're looking for, which is the, the pathology. Or they call it an immune dysfunction if it's, if it's something a bit more complicated. But it could be a virus, it could be mold, it could be fungus. And then the uh, immune dysfunctions are more complex than that. They're, they're kind of, uh, yeah, complexes, combinations of things that are from emotional situations, from childhood, from past life situations. If that's if that's the way you're so inclined, uh, if you don't look for past life situations and they're there, they're not going to go away. 
So whether you believe in them or not, it's probably a good idea to have a look to see if there are any, just in case. Because there might be, and if you don't look, you're never going to find them and you're never going to be able to sort them out. All right, we're halfway through, so I'll do the I'll do the, the station promo now. So you're listening to Revolution Radio. This is Free Association. My name's Dennis Barker. Uh, the station's listener supported. Two studios running 24 hours a day each, mostly. Uh, we, we, we rely on on donations, so you can find find us at at revolution.radio or freedomslips.com uh, you'll find a donation tab at the top of the page and there's a patreon button if you want to set up something that's monthly you can do that if one-off donations anything you can afford you've got to be able to be able to afford it don't don't give us stuff you can't afford just know what you can and what you can't and give what you can um yeah, you can find me in various places online. At the moment, I'm I'm setting up a podcast. So I've got a podcast at Podomatic uh, called Radio Projects. Uh, you can find the radio. I've got a radio station set up at radioprojects.co.uk. Uh, there's another podcast set up at radioprojects.podbean.com. Uh, there's various places on. Uh, on Discord, I've got a Discord server for Reiki initiate called Reiki Initiation. I've got a Discord server for letting go of emotion. I've got a Discord server set up for for people who are stopping smoking and drinking. Uh, if you want to talk talk to people there, uh, it's quite it's quiet sometimes, but it livens up when people ask questions or ask for support. And there's a good crowd there. So these are all self self supporting places. I drop in now and again and provoke people with posts, but uh, mostly self supporting. So ask your questions, and wait for a response, and then check out the response. <clears throat> See if it suits you, because we've all got different ways of dealing with things. And life, life hits people hard in different ways. So there's, if people have different emphasis because of the way life's, life's hit them hard or they've had trauma in a particular way or had emotional issues in a particular way and that everybody will emphasize a different thing. So if you find somebody who's got similar issues going on and they've found a solution, try the solution as an experiment. Might not always work, might not work at all, but you don't know until you try. All right, let's go for a little bit of that Delling, Delling pod, podcast. This was the interview with uh, my Dr. Mike Eden. I'll play about 20 minutes of it. I posted it in the chat room earlier on, but it's it's called the Delling Pod and dellingpo.podbean.com.
So anyway, that's my quick summary. They, they certainly have tried. You have been smeared, Mike. I, yes. I, I've seen I this, and, and you had to retreat from yes. Twitter because under... And this has been the case with all the sceptical scientists, hasn't In, it? Indeed. But by sheer coincidence, they just turn out to be absolutely awful people that we have to lock out of uh, social media. It's just astonishing, really. On the one hand, they seem to be you know, ably qualified to be able to comment, and on the other hand, somehow, they're all bad people that need to be kept away from the general public. Just sort of... Okay. Co coincidence theory just striking again. Do you think this explains why so relatively few people mm. within the medical industry, yeah. be it the NHS or, or the big pharma or whatever, have spoken out? Yes, I, I know it. I just, uh, because I'm, I'm reasonably handy at immunology, but some of the things I'm going to say are so enormous that, of course, I did want to check. So I've spoken to a total of seven or eight uh, UK university professors whose disciplines mean that they understand quite a lot about immunology. Um, of those, I won't name them, but there are a couple that you would have heard on your tellies uh, before they got battered and sort of more or less driven into the shadows. All the other ones, even though I implored them to, refused to say anything in public or even author a newspaper item that would educate the public just about how immunity works that bad. They just, and I said, why won't you? And they said, well, the university administration's got a policy that we just don't say anything that counters government policy or that of its medical advisors. Um, and also, we kind of get hints through the grapevine that if we do that, we won't get grants from the government and its funders. So people like the Wellcome Foundation, MRC, things like that. So basically, it'll be just too difficult for me. I'll be pummeled from the administration on top. I'll be pummeled from my peers because I could bring disrepute into the university and I won't get any grants, so I'm just going to shut up. And as a result, um, sorry, um, you're a bunch of moral cowards because you know something's wrong and this is about your children's and grandchildren's lives and you've buggered off and just left it for a handful of people and I don't think we're going to win. I don't think there's enough voices. Um, so there you go. That's So yes, there's an active policy of intimidation and I also think there's just a lot of self-censorship people are recoil in horror when I outline as I'm going to it's just really there's two phases to this really it's the unreasonable unrelenting pressure that you will be feeling you listening to this that you're feeling if you haven't already succumbed unrelenting pressure to get vaccinated and I'm going to describe in a minute why you're feeling that uh, why, why I think they're doing it and then I'm going to describe what I think will happen next if you succumb. And it's up to you. You can decide, do you want freedom or not? Or do you not really care? So vaccination. These are novel technologies. So they're either messenger RNA or they're DNA with a viral vector. They've never been used before. And I always found it an amazing coincidence that we didn't have any coronavirus vaccines at all. And then suddenly we ended up with more or less three sort of similar ones. And they all came through just with, you know, spaced by a few weeks. It's just amazing. Another coincidence theory, theory to deal with. But they are novel. And I think there's something seriously wrong with them. I do think they probably work, um, although they've really made it quite difficult to tell whether they do. But the, the thing that I think is wrong with them is that every single one of them expresses what's called the spike protein, that little stick that you see on the outside of this cartoon coronavirus. So these gene-based vaccines cause your body to manufacture either the spike protein or a piece of it. And the, the reason I think that's a mistake is that spike protein is not some passive sort of anchor or hook 
on the outside of the virus that you probably know it sticks to cells by that spike. And so that's probably why it might make sense to you. But the spike is not just an, a passive anchor. The damn thing is biologically active. It's a so-called fusogenic protein. It makes cells stick together. And inconveniently, it's capable of initiating blood coagulation and activating the immune complement pathway. That's a bad thing. You don't want that stuff inside your body because it might initiate coagulation and blood clots. And you'll probably be thinking now, funny, I have heard some stuff about blood clots and the AstraZeneca vaccine. Well, I think that's the reason. And I've been interacting with the European Medicines Agency for weeks to tell them this, to warn them of this. Because I was hearing through medical friends, I'm not a medical doctor, but I was hearing through medical friends that they were seeing bleeding, skin bleeds, massive headaches, things that were worrying. And I said, you do know that Spike is capable of triggering coagulation. And they were horrified, they didn't know it. So we wrote to the European Medicines Agency and they more or less ignored us. They just sent a one paragraph reply saying, we have full confidence in our assessment. This was before people news reports came out of blood clots. So we thought this is not good enough. So we, we decided to write an open letter uh, and we sent the open letter and they didn't respond. But the very week that we sent the open letter, country after country after country temporarily paused the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine, citing blood clots. And I think I've described the mechanism. Um, and, and I've just seen this very afternoon. Um, I, I'm seeing tentative reports that the, uh, the German regulator is going to recommend not using it anymore in younger people. Uh, and, and that's because they have seen a number of women aged 20 to 50 who have died of cerebral vein thrombosis, basically blood clot in the brain. Now, these are women who would never have died of the virus and they've been killed by the vaccine. So if, any, if there, any of the people working for those companies or any of you who've not thought about this in the medical profession, you've just been stabbing this into people who are not at risk from the virus, you, you should feel thoroughly ashamed of yourselves. Where is your medical ethics? Stop giving these damn vaccines that are experimental and you don't know what the side effect profile will be. Stop giving them to people who are not at risk of dying from the virus. Just stop. Can you hear how furious I am? Yes. These I, I, people I, are dying, James. So, so back to the question of, should I take it to go on holiday? Please don't. Now, it, these things are not occurring in a high percentage of people, right? I'm not yeah. saying if everybody takes a vaccine, you're going to get a blood clot. They're not. I don't know what the frequencies are, but it's Russian roulette. We do not know which people will develop blood clots. Maybe we'll later work it out. Maybe it's the people who are spontaneously likely to get blood clots, but maybe it's a particular age or gender or ethnicity, or maybe it's some other medicine they've got. We just don't know. It's Russian roulette with your life. So if you're at risk of dying from the virus, this is probably a reasonable bet. Have a talk with your physician, understand what the risks are, understand what the choices are, and make an informed decision. But don't just roll up like this is a measles, mumps and rubella vaccine that we've been having for decades. It's not that at all. So that's, with, that, with that aside, I need to point out, I think there's a really horrible tale behind this. Why in the world do you think um, you know, well-known medics that you see on TV uh, that belong to the government or, or their advisors or maybe just sort of um, you know, in-house doctors that you see on the TV, why are they all ramming this stuff down people's necks? 
they, they, they do seem to, don't they? They do seem to want everyone to be vaccinated. You know, the young and, and the old, they're doing, believe it or not, they're doing clinical a tri clinical trial in children. Now, there have been no children, zero, who were previously well in this country that caught coronavirus and died. So anyone listening, you might want to think, why would you want to take the risk of a new technology vaccine that's a few months old and give it to millions of children? Now, of course, the answer cannot be to save them from coronavirus because they don't catch it or they don't get ill. So there must be another reason, mustn't there? Must be another reason. And when why are they giving it to 20 million people who aren't children, but they're not elderly either, like these women in Germany, 20 to 50 year olds, who died of cerebral uh, vessel thrombosis, blood clots in the brain. Um, and I think I know what the answer is. And I think the answer is vaccine passports. Now, vaccine passports sounds like a sort of reasonable thing until you think about it. So if you're 70 and you maybe got you know, high blood pressure and you've chosen to be vaccinated and, and everything's gone well, you haven't had any terrible side effects, that's good. You're, you're now immune to coronavirus. It doesn't matter to you whether I'm vaccinated or not vaccinated. Uh, I've I'm going to choose not to have it, thanks very much. You would understand that, given what I've just described. And also, I'm not very old, I'm slim, I have no other risk factors. I'd be mad to take this. And of course, they're not going to give me a vaccine certificate. But you 70-year-old with high blood pressure, you're immune. You don't need to know what my immune status is. So you should hopefully say, no, I don't want you to have a vaccine passport because it's clearly not necessary. And I clearly don't want to know whether or not you've had a vaccine at all. I don't care. So I tell you what, it doesn't work for the non-vaccinated. It's not necessary for the vaccinated. Seriously, it's for someone else, isn't it? It can only be for someone else. And the someone else, I think, is the, people, is the person or power that's going to operate a database. And what will it have on it, folks? It'll have your name, a digital identity that's unique to you in the world, and it'll have at least one flag which will say you have been vaccinated or you haven't been. And I think what they're planning on doing is building a one, for the first time in human history, a common platform database with your name, a unique ID, and initially, it's arbitrary, it could have been anything, but arbitrarily it's going to be your immunisation status. And they're going to change your privileges according to whether or not your flag is up, that you've had it, or it's down uh, and not. And the reason they'll do that is to coerce the other people who haven't had vaccination to come onto the platform. If you think about that, that platform provides the perfect tool for totalitarian control of every living being on the planet. That's what I think they want to do. Because I can't think of any other reason. There is no arguable medical reason whatsoever. So if I was in charge and I was, and there was a good reason, having realized what I have now about the, the, the awesome abuse power of a common database, I'd be saying, we must make sure the database is not common. It must have different formats in different countries. Uh, or maybe even just a random different ways of being able to demonstrate it. A little, little bit clunky occasionally for travel, but within a, within a country, if you needed to demonstrate it, there would never be a way of integrating it at the supranational level, because as soon as that happens, someone has complete power. So what they could do, for example, you could associate with your entry, Mike Eden, unique digital ID, vaccine status, no. What they could do is just put, or you could form, uh, say, 
uh, you know, a new banking credit and say, here's where your money is, Eden. And when you use your smartphone, uh, you'll only better spend through, through this ID on this common platform. Oh, we're not going to let you go in that shop because you've not been vaccinated. So you could live a bare life outside the system uh, or you could, you could enjoy yourself in society, but be under no doubt you're under complete control of whoever owns and operates that database. So that's why I think they're pushing, I'll be honest about it, they're, they're dangerous vaccines. They're dangerous in the sense that we don't yet, this is the current one, we don't yet understand their long-term safety profile, but already there's enough short-term safety worries for several countries to be contemplating changing the mix of people who get it. Uh, and if a country, and I think it would be wise, chooses not to give it to people under 50 or under 60, it's because, as I've said, they're not at risk from the virus. It's just mad that they would even contemplate um, taking a risk with their health. And the physicians who have realised this, who are ethical, are going to stop. And I imagine they're saying, I'm not doing this anymore. So the only... And then when we got to the children, there's a study going on of 300 children. 300 children. Um, I can assure you, 300 children is not going to be enough children to allow you to work out at all whether this would be safe for your child. If there was a, say, a one in a thousand chance of lethality, you'd probably miss it in this study of 300 children. But if it was one in a thousand, you'll kill, I don't know, how many children are there? 10, 10 million? So you, you, 10,000 children could die. So there could be a side effect so bad as to kill 10,000 children and we will not detect it in this trial. So don't take any confidence from it. Worse than that, it's the, it, they're playing with you. That trial of 300 children is, it's a bagatelle that they can say, oh, we've done a trial, it's okay. But it isn't, it's not big enough. It's what's called underpowered statistically. You should take no assurance whatsoever from that clinical trial. Even if it's clean as a whistle, don't bring your child for vaccination. Don't let them do it because your children are not at risk from the virus. They won't infect anybody else. And even if they did, it wouldn't matter because the vulnerable will have been vaccinated. So use your brain. You have worked this out. Uh, don't let them be vaccinated. And I've just described awful, awful behaviour. We're exposing 300 children, an inadequate number, uh, to, I think, to get a political result that will be used for PR purposes to uh, coerce you to bring your children in. So don't do it because the study is massively underpowered. There's even a study in newborns that's going on somewhere in America. Why would you want to get every single person on the planet vaccinated? Well, maybe Mike Eden's right then. Maybe he's not quite so stupid after all. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but even so, uh, if you all get vaccinated, there will be a common database. I think Tony Blair Institute has been talking about that since before we had vaccines, suspiciously enough. I don't trust that man. I don't trust him at all. Um, I think he wants to be king of the world. Yes. So, seriously. So, so that's the stuff I'm saying about the vaccine. And again, I think I mentioned this phrase four times before. Regarding the vaccine, you can't trust this government and its advisers. Regarding these vaccines and your children, the trial's too small. You can't trust this government or its advisers. They're do, they're, they want to do something that's not to do with protecting you from this virus. They want to do something that's to do with benefits for them, and I don't know quite what they are. But I think, so James, I don't know whether we want to take a pause before we go down the deepest rabbit hole of all. Oh, yes. But actually, before we do, but, but let's save that, that 
climactic moment for the mm. moment. I wanted to ask you, do you have any theories on, because as I understand it, w w normally when you make a vaccine, you, you, you create a kind of dead version of the, yeah. of the thing you're trying to protect you against, uh, don't you? That means you'd have to have some of it, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. No one's got any, it seems. Seriously. I mean, it must exist, surely, James. They couldn't really have uh, uh, fooled the whole world for a year without actually having a bucket of this stuff, surely. But oddly enough, you ask around, no one's got any. I'm not alleging it's not there, I'm just observing that despite all of this time, no one seems to have any. Interesting. Well, they, they, well, it, does that mean they haven't isolated the virus? Or Question, what? Yeah, shrunk, I don't know. You, you would have thought there'd be you know, so many great labs that are government funded either here or in Germany or America or Sweden or so on. Why isn't someone, why isn't someone done a, uh, you know, one of these wonderful, um, whatever they're called, Horizon programs showing the purification of this stuff? It's just maybe they've all been too busy running bad PCR tests. So that's that's enough of that, really, to give you the flavour of it. Uh, once again, it's, the, it's called the Delling Pod, and that particular episode is from the beginning of April 2021. It's literally just been posted a couple of days ago, 2nd of April. Uh, it's an interview with Dr. Mike Eden, uh, who's got a, a background in pharmaceuticals. So if I was looking for somebody with credibility in the industry who's questioning the industry, then that would be the man, ultimately. Uh, with the best will in the world, if I question it, people laugh at me and tell me I'm talking nonsense. Uh, but if, if Mike Eden does it, they can't tell him he's talking nonsense because he knows what he's talking about. So that's why I'm playing that. And it, it touches on a lot of things that I don't normally really touch on on this show, but... It seems to me that it's it's coming from such a an authoritative source that it's worth playing because it's it's asking questions that that probably I need to ask, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him anyway. I've been keeping an eye on him for months, but he's he's prepared to stand up and say what needs to be said. So I'm I'm sharing his stuff all over the place. As I am with Vernon Coleman, Dr. Vernon Coleman, who's who's another doctor, a doctor who's prepared to say what needs to be said, and he's come to more or less the same conclusions. So they're they're both looking at research databases. They're both checking out the research, and they're both capable of assessing research, and they're coming to the same conclusions. So that makes me think that that there's something there in what they're saying. Anyway, that's that's just trashing the medical profession, trashing the trashing the medical industry more than the profession. But honestly, if you're a doctor and you're not asking questions, then what are you doing? You shouldn't be in charge of people's health if you're not asking questions about these things. Um, what happened to do no harm? Really, if if you potentially injecting people with stuff that's going to kill them even if it's only one in a million it's still one in a million that one in a million's got a family that's going to be devastated by their death so you 
you've got to take responsibility for what you do. And if you're the one that's injecting people, take some responsibility for it. Hang your head in shame and stop doing it. That's my, my personal opinion. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, personally. That's just me. Uh, I've got a philosophical objection to people putting anything in my body, unless I agree to it beforehand. And, and we've got to have informed consent, which isn't happening. So even on that basis, I would say don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. It's experimental. There's been no informed consent. And there's coercion going on. So there's three reasons to be suspicious, suspicious straight away. Really, you don't need any more reasons than that. <clears throat> the vaccine post passport thing is a, is a dodgy thing. I won't be participating in that either. So my strategy is still basically denial, denial and non-participation. I'm just like, all right, whoever wants to participate, let them. I can't do anything about that. All I can do is take responsibility for me and act in my best interests. And I expect everybody else to do the same thing. Although they don't a lot of the time. A lot of people have got psychological reversals going around and going on and they're, they're not capable of acting in their own best interests. But there's nothing I can do about that unless people are prepared to sit down and have a conversation with me and I'll talk them through it. But uh, there's, there's not enough hours in the day to do that with everybody. Uh, which is one of the reasons I do this as a radio show, because it's you can touch on things that, that, that I, can, I can speak to people about individually and get into more depth. But I can touch on things and give people things to research on. And psychological reversal is one of the things to research, definitely. And emotional freedom technique, I'll, I'll, re I'll, I'll sort that out for you. Reiki, to some extent, will sort that out for you. Um, Sedona method will sort it out for you. And be set free fast is another thing that I use that will sort out psychological reversal to some extent. Be set free fast is very, very good, in fact, and very worth researching. Uh, there's plenty of material on YouTube about, about that particular technique and it's coming from a good place as is emotional freedom technique and as is reiki as far as i can see uh, uh, the only issue i've got with reiki is it sometimes will disguise a problem but it's it's a good maintenance technique uh it doesn't have a letting go process in in there but you you've got to add that in from a from a different place but apart from that it's fine it's fine as a maintenance technique and it'll it'll dissolve a lot of things that that you don't that you really don't need medication for that you can do yourself to some extent uh, so my policy is always to do it myself and take take personal responsibility and the, the best I can do for other people is just have a conversation I had a conversation with a homeless guy last week last week or the week before last, spent about 25, 30 minutes with him, having a conversation about his time in prison and how he feels about the world. And then I just gave him another another way of looking at it. And that's all you can really do. And it's just a quiet, a gentle conversation in the sun, 
talking about pigeons initially, so small talk, but small talk turns into something that's deeper in about 30 seconds with me, and he wanted to talk, so that's the perfect time to have the conversation. So random, random acts of kindness, random conversations, quiet conversations, selective conversations, and targeted conversations will do the trick. For me, I can't, I can't stand with a megaphone. That, that does my head in. But I can do quiet, targeted conversations with people one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. So that's the way I work. That's the way I do things. And as I say, I've got a couple of podcasts running as well as the radio show now. So there's a daily podcast running on Podomatic. Uh, I'll put that in the chat. It's, it's radioprojects.podomatic.com. That one will be fairly close to daily. The Podbean version will be less frequent, but probably a bit more in-depth. Uh, that's radioprojects.podbean.com. Um, if you want more of what I'm doing or things that I think are useful, go to radioprojects.co.uk. That's a radio station that I set up that's got, a, it's got a, a playlist running of all the things that I think are useful or interesting. And uh, hopefully that should set people in the right direction. There's 120 people finding the radio station at the moment in a month. So that's, that's all right. That's a good way to get to people. The, the podcasts are getting to maybe five or six people on a, an average day, sometimes 25 on a good day. So again, a good way to get to people. It doesn't have to be one-to-one. -one. I, can, I can have a conversation with myself and then people listen and take in what they need and let go of what they don't need. But I'm here every, every Saturday at 4 o'clock my time, 11 o'clock US Eastern time. Uh, there'll be more of the same next week. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good week. Enjoy yourself. everyone, it's Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Be evasive, but that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to...